Hi, and welcome to our podcast, There's No Business Like No Business. We'll have conversations with all types of people in the live events industry to see what's been going on, or not, over the last year, and what hopefully we'll be looking forward to soon. We'll expand this a bit to see how the COVID downturn has affected our friends in the worlds of performing arts, travel, and hospitality. As a matter of fact, we'll talk to just about anyone. Here to guide us along the way are your hosts, Dave Eveson and Andrew Douglas. So we are away. Andrew, how are you doing? Fantastic, Dave. How are you today? Good, good. I was talking to you earlier this afternoon about the fact that this is interrupting your beautiful ski day. It is, it is. I must say that uh, we've had some pretty horrible weather the last three or four days up at the mountain. It uh, hasn't been very nice. And today the weather popped up as a perfect, beautiful, blue, sunny day. And, uh, and I'm in the studio. The weather popped Otherwise up. Otherwise known as Maddox's bedroom. <laughs> bedroom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's nice to see you. When I say it's nice to see you uh, during spring, I'm actually talking about some bed above you. <laughs> so anyway, the other reason why you're, uh, I think you're stuck in inside uh, on this beautiful ski day is our guest today, um, who is very well known in our industry across Canada. And I would suggest most of the U.S. and bits and pieces of uh, Cancun and is, is uh Glenn Speed, who's a very good friend of both of ours and has been for many years and a very good friend of a lot of people in, in the business and outside the business. So he is going to come on and we're going to ask him all sorts of questions about what he's been up to and how he got started, et cetera, et cetera, because that lets him talk as opposed to our one listener listening to you and I talk. So <laughs> but how personal, how personal can we get with, with Glenn? Well, I Do did we have say, our explicit up? <laughs> well, I think it, from from uh, going through this uh, setup podcast, etc., I found that there's a button that you can press to say this is an explicit one or this is a clean one, a clean feed, so to speak. And gotcha. uh, that will put a little warning on it. And I thought, because I know Glenn is a very clean uh, guy and he has probably more people that will listen to this than listen to you and I, uh, that there's a good chance that he will be very polite. Uh, it could go awry at any moment, <laughs> but uh, without further ado, I'll let him decide how he wants to take this conversation. The incomparable Glenn Speed. Hello, Glenn Speed. Hello, gents. That's, um, that was quite the setup. <laughs> It took me Do I get hours. To pick which button you're picking? <laughs> <laughs> yes, from here on in, you are picking this. You will, you will uh, let us know uh, whether we are explicit or we are clean show today. And seeing change as, it on the fly. Uh, I, I can edit. I, I, I wonder if I could actually throw in little beeps where where you go a little haywire because I know there's certain people that we will have on uh, in future episodes that. Uh, will definitely be explicit. 
Well, I I think it would also be fun if the if the the beeps were indiscriminate. So you know, if if a word like gin or coffee, you know, you just start throwing in the beeps for random words. I don't or if think... I just get bo- if I just get boring, just put in the beep too. Oh, beep! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Sorry, was that was that was that you? Um, and uh, uh, I know this is. Uh, this is our inaugural episode. This sounds like something I picked up at the pound. Inaugural, isn't isn't that like a a, a mangy dog, or mongrel? <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, so it it's it's so fun to have you here as as our first guy because I know that you will take uh, take beatings where you have to, and and you will go left and right and and go with the flow just because we're complete rank amateurs at this. So I think I'm, I'm very excited to be the first. Wow. That's, <laughs> that's, uh, that's a lot of enthusiasm that went behind that, I tell you. <laughs> so Came from the heart. I, I, let's, let's delve into your life and uh, how did you get here? Why did you choose this business of live events from anything you could have done I remember you talking to me at various bars, talking about brain surgery and all the rest of the stuff. That you, yeah. Yeah, right. So so a little history from Glenn Speed, if you could. A uh, little history. Um, well, I went to college for um, AV and TV production. Predominantly, I was interested in the TV production side. And Humber College at that time had some of the state-of-the-art um, studio install and that so it was just seemed like an attractive program and it was its focus was on um, more the production side so whether you know being a producer scriptwriter, things like that not so much the tech side but part of the course offered co-op placement in various production companies and I during that time I was offer there was no more production outfits available so they came to me and they said we will guarantee you a spot next semester but if you would also like this semester there's a staging supplier or an av supplier who's also looking for work and the bonus for them are looking to fulfill a co-op position and the bonus was that you could also use their equipment and facilities for your schoolwork so i kind of I thought, well, that's interesting. So I thought I'd go do a meet and greet, which is what you had to do. So I went and met them. And then I saw they had a couple little edit suites and they had, you know, a bunch of video cameras and stuff. So I kind of thought, oh, okay, so I'll give it a go. And not long after that, I started working for them part time, doing basic AV setups, sound systems. Right in the middle of going to college, I made the right turn or the left turn, all depends how you want to look at it, to go to into more hands-on tech side of things. So that's kind of how I got here. And then the journey went on from there. So you actually started off wanting to be your boss. <clears throat> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and how did that exactly. work out for you? You became your employee. <laughs> that's right. That's, exactly. that's really kind of looking a step down when you're, when you're doing that. But uh, I guess, uh, I guess it worked out in the long run. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and so, so how many years did you do, you, like a, a couple of years of schooling? 
six months? I did two years. Two yep. years? Yeah. Oh, two years. Yeah, okay. I did the course. Yeah, the yeah. course was great. Like, I really loved it. It just, I realized I didn't want to be stuck in necessarily inside a TV studio, which I thought I did. And I right, did. right. Yeah. And I've been to your house a few times, and I was just wondering, I have not seen that diploma hanging in your office. It's around oh, Is it around? I got it in a box. Around? Oh, I just, yeah. I just want to confirm that, that you are educated <laughs> it, in it, that it, it you have exists. your certificate. Okay. It does exist. Yeah. But it, you know, in, in, in Glenn's defense, I don't know too many people in this industry that proudly put their technical theater diplomas on the wall because they're, they're out working, uh, well, pre COVID, uh, I, I, I hadn't seen too many, uh, diplomas on walls from people in our industry. No, I, yeah, I, I have been to a lot of people's houses that, that have various diplomas and they're usually doctors, lawyers, MBAs. Far more important people than us. Far, yeah. far. They're the people we do this for. <laughs> not, That's right. Not us. So. Exactly. Uh, and then, uh, so, so moving through school and starting, uh, uh, starting in that sort of AV world, you, for I mean, I I, I knew you uh, just after I believe um, you were out of that company, uh, and I always wonder because because I I look at you today and the how well rounded you are in kind of all aspects of the business from venue to rigging, lighting, audio, the, all the the backstage client relations, personnel, crew management. And I do, it's always stood out to me that when I met you, how hungry you were or, or just, you were okay to do anything. And I would, you know, I'd be short a lighting technician and I'd phone you up and I said, do you have any, any wish to come at three o'clock in the morning and help me load this show in? And, and you would go, yeah, sure. And and I said, well, I don't understand why you do this. And he said, well, because I want to learn. I want to learn it all. And uh, <laughs> maybe maybe you forgot that part, but uh, I certainly don't because I've always held it nope. in, in uh, great esteem. That, uh, And I, I think you kind of opened up that door for me as well that I should learn everything. I didn't. <laughs> I just, I just kind of stayed by the lighting board. That, that makes back. two of us. <laughs> not, not to mention at the time, I don't think there were probably many lighting guys who were happy to load in anything at three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. I don't, I don't think there were any happy lighting guys. Yeah. So, uh, so then you moved on and you kind of qu quickly became this, this TD that, I think that everybody started going, hmm, you know, we need something done. How do we do it? And for some reason, speed would be on the speed dial. There's, that's my first and only reference. <laughs> so, beep. So, yeah, beep. Um, so, so what do you think that is about you that, that people go, that call, that you're like, the guy to go to and and this is kind of over the years uh well, that's a good question uh, i can sum it up in one sentence should i uh, get the I button have no idea <laughs> 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 yeah. 
there has been times I had that same thought, but <laughs> I, I still have it this day. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I, it, I, that's a that's I think that's a really tough question to answer because I I'm not. I would probably be more interested to hear other people's takes as opposed to what I think is is it. It's um, I I like the team environment. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think I say it outwardly, but I, I do like working in a team with a team. And I think that's, um, and I believe it, everybody has, has a role and has a voice within the team. So I think perhaps that's one thing that maybe has been recognized over the years is that it's not, you know, every once in a while, I, you know, you still have to call a shot on something, but at the same time within it, there are you've got to make sure you listen to everybody and, yeah. and take in everybody's input. And then hopefully that collectively gets you to the, to the happy place you're, you're trying for with the project. So that might be my, my reader's digest version. And you're just darn friendly too. I think that's <laughs> just, just a, just a nice guy. I don't know. You don't know if he knows very much, but he certainly is a nice guy. Yeah. He seems like a nice guy. Seems he, like a I nice guy. Is he smart? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and then if if we were to kind of go past your history and all of the things that you know now, uh, just curious, like how you go about kind of starting a project and getting your information from the team. Because I, I know that it's, you know, people come up with these concepts and they come up with a venue and they come up, you know, this doesn't work with that, this, you know, it, there's a lot of that on your side that is, I'm the creative guy, this is what, or gal, this is what I've come up with and throw it on your lap. And it's, it's kind of like, where do you go first to either tone down or expand the ideas is it kind of mapping out the venues and, you know, is it sitting down budgeting or a combination of all of that? I, yeah, I think it's actually a combination and every project's different, right? So some are budget driven, some are creative different, some are scope different. So I think that's, it's letting, hearing what the idea is. And, um, one thing I've always said, I don't like being brought in too early, uh, to the creative mix unless it's just for really raw brainstorming because you want to let creative go and come up with all their ideas then then you sit down and have that reality check and i think the the goal for or the the thing i look for in my role as a as a td is to be our job is to be a black hatter but for hopefully the right reasons and also a black hat with a solution. So not just somebody comes in and goes, no, can't do that. Forget it. You guys are crazy. You, you know, you want to come in and go, we can't do this because of budget restrictions or physical limitations or whatever, but maybe we could do this or let me go away and talk to a bunch of people and figure out how we could kind of pull off your idea in a slightly different way. You know, that's kind of, that's sort of how I start and approach a project. All right. Now, to jump back a few sentences, I always, from my side, I kind of prefer to be right 
into that. What are we going to do uh, from a creative side? And that, because I'm so far down the sort of pecking order, in most cases, you know, we, we get uh, the call once the design is done, the venue's picked, the, the, you know, the colored tablecloths are chosen, and then they say, oh, you know, can you light this? And the answer is yes, of course we can. So my, my favorite thing is, you know, I, I think we are, we're value added when it's sitting down going, you know, what should we do? What, you know, here's the room. What do you think we should do? And to be able to, to work. And I, I think you and I, Glenn, have, have gone through that a bit, uh, not often, but when <laughs> it's a real pain when the TD and the lighting director build the show and then they kind of come back and go, what do you think of this? Sometimes it works. Sometimes it really works, yeah. but, uh, um, but sometimes uh, it's not what they're looking for. And we have to kind of crawl away with the tail between the legs and hide away. But I, I don't know from, from Andrew, you know, wh- where are you in, in that kind of sort of early creative sense? Is, is it something you get involved in a lot? I, I agree with you there, and it's it's it is something that I'm I'm involved in maybe fifty percent of the time if I'm lucky. But you keyed on a good point with the you know the lighting side and the TD. Uh, one of the things that that I'd love to get Glenn's input on is typically I like to talk to the TD before any rigging is touched at all. I don't like opening a drawing where somebody has already drawn in all of the trusses and said, here's your truss, design the lighting based on the truss layout. So it's, it's always important for me to get at least in touch with the TD as early as possible so we can collaborate properly on how things are going to get rigged as opposed to us trying to catch up. And a lot of that is creative driven because the TD say somebody like Glenn, in my opinion, is dealing with the creative side saying, oh, if you want to do that, we're probably going to need rigging here or a truss here, in which case the lighting side of it is playing catch up. And we may have to say, well, no, ideally we need to move that here, here. How does that translate for you? Uh, yeah, I think, I think we're collectively, we're all in sync. I think you, um, and I also, I go back even a bit farther. I think you guys are often not part of the, you could be in the creative meetings even before me when it, you know, like when I talk about not wanting to be too early, there's some times when meetings just need to have that free flowing throw out crazy ideas and not have, and if I don't know the team, I'd rather them just do, do that so that I don't, you know, you're not sitting there eye rolling or whatever going, are you guys crazy? And then if I know the team, I don't mind being in earlier because I know I can just kind of sit back and listen and, and let things develop. But you guys are also lighting is a huge component of the, of the creative of our world of the live event world. It's a big deal, right? The lighting is, it plays a big role in it. So I think I've, I have learned over the years to engage you guys the earlier, the better, because a lot of times you also get attached to not only the creative, but you get attached to the physical requirements for the show that could impact your guys setup. Like the, the bottom line is we may need to take over 
half the ballroom just to get the rigging of the screens, the projectors and all that stuff. And it doesn't leave you guys any real estate left. But the earlier you're involved in that, the earlier you can design around that. Right. And you're not playing catch up. Andrew, it's time in our show where we're going to be giving some unsolicited shout outs to some of our friends who we love in the restaurant and bar business in North America. Today, I want to shout out my friends at Shinobu Sushi Restaurant in Toronto, 3403 Young Street. Susumu and Mayoko have been making my sushi sashimi combos for about 15 years and they do a fantastic job. You can give them a call or visit their website at shinobusushi.ca. They're only available right now for curbside pickup, but hopefully one day we can all go down there and have a delicious meal in their restaurant. If you do have a chance, tell them Dave sent you. And if you're really daring, you can just say, give me what you normally serve him. And good luck. Favorite working cities? I have a list of these questions. I just go, great. That is a question. Like, do you like getting off an airplane in some cities over others uh, that you travel to? Like you get off in, uh, an airplane in Vancouver and just go, oh my God, I'm in Vancouver. This is the best experience ever. Versus, well, I'm not going to actually put a versus in there because that will just get me in real trouble. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and, and me too. But yes, do I have some cities that we land in and go, Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and, then, and then there's others. Yes. Vancouver would be one of them. Uh, uh, New York's another, um, San Francisco is a favorite. Um, and a lot of those aren't, I have to say they aren't, uh, aren't always about the city. It's about, seems to be the project that's attached with those right, locations right, yeah. are, is always memorable, interesting, uh, and the people you're with, right? Sometimes, sometimes you can go to the same city like five times and that one yeah. time you went with, well, I'll just say me, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was the best time ever. <laughs> best, day, best, trip ever. best time of my life. <laughs> Uh, okay. So, so we get that done and, uh, now you're in the city, but you have to come back because there's a pandemic pandemic. And now you are, now you're in What's your a basement. Uh, was a pandemic. <laughs> what it's called is an edit. That's what I call it. <laughs> it's an edit later. A, a pandemic is an edit later. It's a toilet yeah. pandemic. pandemic. <laughs> um, so you come back here. From the last trip you took in March 2020, which I'm just guessing yep. would have been March 2020. Was, like, yeah, it was around the first week of March. I yep. believe I got back from Vancouver. Yeah. Now, I remember talking to you soon thereafter, and I, I said, hey, what have you been up to? And you said, oh, I'm just sitting down here watching video after video of vir virtual platforms. Yep. What, what is going on in, in the world and how are we going to, and I swore I would not use that word, uh, starts with a P, I, P, <laughs> Piv, uh, we're, we're forbid, forboden, for, for, forboden, 
<laughs> so, so, uh, now that you're facing that or that back then you were facing that, uh, what, what did you think, uh, was available out there and has what your, what thoughts you had, has that come to fruition? Do you think everything you thought this would be came that way? Or do you think it's actually gone beyond or just changed direction? Like the expectations of, of what these virtual platforms and these studios that a lot of people have, is that, is that working well for you and the client? Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. If you, if you ask me at towards the end of March, what I thought was going on, I probably would have told you like everybody else. I thought the sky was falling and, um, you know, I wasn't, you no, know, like everybody else didn't know what to expect or what was going to happen. And it, but it wasn't long after that, that I had, um, a couple events that were on the books that just, I thought were gone, the meetings and they, were quickly turned into into broadcasts and that that part surprised me how quickly um i thought a lot of those things would just be wiped out and i thought the virtual world would probably start to make an appearance but i was surprised how quickly uh, to use the word pivot some oh some no that hurt there <laughs> i know sorry some companies um their demand for continuing on with communication was, was really quick. And that, I think that, that really surprised me, caught me off guard, you know, how much there would be an appetite for, okay, how, how do we, how do we keep this event on the books and um, turn it into a broadcast? I have definitely been amazed. The large corporations and mid-sized companies, they have or had, no choice. They couldn't just yep. shut off communications with their staff and their partners and yep. their, their suppliers and customers. And it was, that's the part that I think threw me how quickly it changed within six months. People were actually having reasonably successful internal and external meetings. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and and now you know you're sprinkling in some fairly large award and recognition events as well, which I think came a lot faster than a lot of people thought. That you could take these sort of face-to-face -face Zoom, uh, WebEx, whatever meetings, and then turn them into you know there there was like oh well we should bring this act on to sing some songs. Yeah, okay, so so that that's all right. But how do you enthuse? a group of people, loyal, hardworking people that, that have done this and you can't send them to Bahamas. You can't send them to, yeah. to, uh, you know, various dinners or whatever. So I, I'm amazed at how well that came back. And I'm assuming that there is some fatigue in all of this. And, and that probably leads me into the next part of this, which is the, these hybrid meetings that will probably be spawned from the the virtual meeting plus the wish to get together as people get their vaccines as the hopefully the covid kind of wanes a little bit where you know have you seen knowing that that you were quite in advanced stages early in in your knowledge of this do you see any of this hybrid stuff 
popping up anywhere, uh, chatter about it? Do you think that there's uh, some rules and regulations kind of being built around the future of a virtual or of a hybrid event? Um, there's definitely now more chatter about it as you can, you know, somewhere down the road, whatever days those are, it's going to open back up more and more. So the, some of the scope of the projects that we all touch, I'm sure Andrew and yourself can relate, like there's, they're, they're on the books for 2022. So they're, be, and the planning has to start to happen for them shortly. So at some point, there's going to have to be a decision around what are those, right? Be, and we're still kind of a little bit in the unknown of how much is going to open up. But I, but I think it's a given that it, things will be opening back up and you have to start to design around, it, you know, it, it's probably no longer a gathering of 10,000 people in one location. It will be more regional gatherings still all put in a broadcast joined together for maybe one couple big keynotes and then you go back to your regional uh meeting which is kind of like the old days right when we did the car shows and stuff yep, yep. we would go and do the dealer meeting in vancouver and then we moved to calgary and then we go to edmonton and i think we're going to go back to a window of that for a while and i and the discussions are up because you do have to start planning you can't just start planning those January 2022, they got to start planning them now, or at least talking about them. Right, so. right, right. And and how do you see, for instance, uh, I, I would imagine based on what I've seen so far that social distancing is going to continue for the foreseeable future uh, yeah. and, and until we get some sort of a, a herd immunity. But, but if you, let's take, for example, uh, a conference a professional services conference for 4,000 people that usually would happen over a week with everybody in the same room. Now you have to design for social distancing. Maybe that becomes a two week event with a hybrid side so that not everybody yeah. is traveling. Is that, is that what yeah. you're seeing? That, that's what that, I'm... those conversations are coming up is, is are the events going to be, longer so you push you push people less people through over a longer period of time um the discussions are certainly up is when can when will companies feel comfortable if at all saying we're sending all our people to said city for this meeting but still allowing employees going i'm i'm not comfortable going and i'm yeah. not comfortable being on a plane i'm not i'm you know and when when you know how long do companies respect that or will they always respect it moving forward? And you know what I mean? So it's not going to, you know, how long will it take us to get back into some sort of groove that we're used to, which is, yeah, no problem. We're doing a conference, of, you know, in East coast for 2000 people, everybody go. Now you're going to have maybe a third of that group of people that would be going, going, I'm not, I'm not really comfortable going, you know? So, that's another challenge. I, I think being used to something is quite relative because I'm now quite used to painting uh, banisters and, and walls. So I, I have to go a lot farther back uh, in my history to actually be used to traveling and, and stuff. <laughs> uh, so, so Andrew and I, uh, we've chatted quite a bit kind of back and forth about subjects and there's, there's a lot more that, uh, that is included in this. And I know that we have a good friend out 
uh, on the East Coast who who's ringing the uh, insurance bells and stuff. And I, that's that I think is a podcast in itself. So we're not really going right. to go there because we were we're going to most likely grab um, a couple of actual insurance people and have have real conversations about yeah. that because that's out of my realm and and i think it, it's probably out of yours and, and i don't know where that falls but it, it's it's a conversation that people have to have to listen to and understand as well so but i'm i'm having the conversations even with my own provider and providers in the industry as to I've been checking in with them to see where they're at with their decision making and uh, doesn't seem to be any definitive answers yet as to, you no, know, I, I think one of our, one of our shortest meetings uh, or shortest podcasts might be with an insurance guy. So he said, you know, <laughs> if we just asked him, so what's, what is an insurance company going to cover and say nothing? Okay, thank you very much, and that's the end. Of it. <laughs> so that's let's hope let's hope it doesn't come to that. But uh, you know, yeah, I, I have read uh, a considerable amount the last uh, month or so uh, in build up to this platform uh, to get an idea of what's going on there. So yeah, it's like that teaser for people who have you know who really wanted to come up and and listen to you today. They'll be what is it? Lathering at the mouth or whatever. The, uh, foaming at the f- mouth. Foaming at the mouth foaming for the mouth. for this future insurance podcast that we'll have. <laughs> so it's it's a little teaser to everybody. My shout out today is local for me here in Bend, Oregon, and it goes to El Sancho Taco Shop. El Sancho has been serving authentic Mexican street food for over 10 years, so whether it's pork carnitas, beef barbacoa, carne asada, or one of their many pescatarian, vegetarian, or vegan options, El Sancho does not disappoint. For more information, menus, and locations, please visit their website at elsanchobend.com. So have you heard of any great, cool technology uh, coming down the pipes that would help make safety a bit better for clients in a certain location? Like if it was a ballroom or a, I, we were talking before about uh, UV showers that people walk through tunnels and they get uh, their UVC bath on the way through and then the air purifiers and stuff. But I'm just wondering if, if you had heard of anything that sort of new technology that people were using. Yeah. I mean, I've heard the UV stuff around, but then I've also read or certainly heard the discussions about the whole liability of that and uh, people's exposure to the UV. And so whether that's even a viable way, and I'm certainly not even remotely qualified to comment on that stuff. But other than that, I haven't really heard, Anything more than the basics is just changing. And I think Andrew touched on it earlier is the, the distancing, the, the changing how we approach stuff, you know, physically. I had an interesting conversation with uh, a couple uh, venue people that I've kept in touch with and operators. And they, they're saying that they, the, one of the easier things in their opinion and they think might come back earlier than even corporate live events will be trade shows 
because you can, um, it's easier for them to, to do the spacing, right? They can space them out easier. They can control the flow of the people. And um, it's just an environment that's a little more manageable that they, that they feel like perhaps the trade, if there's a market for it, the trade show industry, you know, could have earlier success in, in getting back up and running as compared to the concert industry or some, you know, things like that. Right. The theater industry where it can, is it, can you make it work with only a hundred people in a, in a major show production in the audience, right? Like, Right. Versus the trade show runs longer. Can it? Yeah, same thing. Can it? You do more days, less exhibitors, spread out better, run longer. Venues are going to have to give on the rates a little bit, you know. Obviously, so there's going to be a kind of a a real figuring out time. But it was interesting conversation. Yeah, that that would be. Uh, also, I believe it would be a lot easier to control the spacing, like like when you go to the grocery mm-hmm. store. You know, and they, you're admitting whatever 50% capacity it, it does. You know, there's, there are people wandering around, uh, as opposed mm-hmm. to sitting in a room, you know, staring at somebody on, on a stage or watching videos or something or, or eating dinner yeah. on rounds. You know, that, uh, maybe that's what I could come up with a centerpiece for rounds that's made of plexi and separates the eight people and have a flower display in the middle. I I think there's a market coming up for that, quite frankly. I think that that, uh, Glenn making the point about exhibits uh, coming back earlier or the potential for them to come back earlier creates an an issue, a budget issue. And and maybe you can talk uh, on that line, Glenn, a little bit because I'm looking at, at, say, you know, a, a 4,000 person event turning to four waves of 1,000 people. Well, now you've gone from a week rental of a venue to a month. And, and, and how does that then trickle down uh, across the board? Well, and I think that's what I was saying. I think there's going to be this uh, period of uh, figuring that out cost-wise. You can't just instantly open back up and assume the industry is alive and well and it's full rate for everything that it was in 2020 there's going to be have to be some sort of i you know like i said figure they'll have to figure out the costing and then is it viable and if it's not viable then it's not going to fly right but if it if it's they can figure out a way to do some cost reductions across the board, you know, for everybody, then, then perhaps, and that was the conversation I was having with the ven, um, the couple of the venues were just saying how, you know, it's just a way of getting things moving again. Do you have to, there has to be some compromises for, for, by a lot of people, you know, all, you know, all of us to help get things going again. It's just not going to flick a switch and it all starts back up again. Yeah, there's going to have to be uh, a bunch of those sort of as a, as litmus tests to to see how it works. And okay, so if everybody has to, the the venue's not going to have those ballrooms or those those exhibit venues booked all of 2022. 
So to say, you know, what we used to run in before was we'd have to come in at midnight on the Saturday and be out by uh, midnight or 1 a.m. on the Thursday because the next show comes in. It probably that that is yeah. not going to be the case for a while. So uh, yeah. having yeah. having the doors available to be open for a three week or two week might be, uh, you know, it's it's not like they're getting week after week after week of full pop. So, you know, here... Yeah, there's certain things you'd have to pay for, but uh, um, yeah, but venues and and equipment and stuff might be might be a little cheaper uh, for a while anyway. And it might well, and be I, cost I would... prohibitive to get it going. Like who knows, right? Yeah. It, may, it you know maybe it just doesn't work out mathematically. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I was I was just going to say that, Len. How do you how do you then? respond to your client and and we've all been used to this over the years where a client says hey we're doing we're doing x show again it's going to be fantastic and uh and this year we've got five percent i, I more see this going to somewhere to the budget so this, this part is going to be edited out by the way <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really without without you know making a, a, a tough call how do you then say okay we're always going to have the client who says uh, how much more is it going to be than last year well it, you're now taking into account so many elements that weren't part of a previous show you're talking about disinfecting yeah. you're talking about social distancing you're talking about testing uh potentially yep. Yep. how how does how do you broach that topic without scaring somebody you just present the costs. I, uh, that's one thing I've learned is you just, you have to do the, you do your homework and then you present the costs and then it's going to be up for discussion as to what, right. you know, who, who buys into what. And, and there's th even things, as we all know, when we are budgeting stuff that make us cringe uh, and then we'll go, okay, I can't wait to see what the response is to that charge or whatever. And, and I think there's, like I said, I, it, there's going to be this huge learning curve. I think for quite a while as to how to get everything back up and running again. It's just not going to happen as much as everybody talks about it or you, in the news, you hear about it. Let's just get things back open again. Well, that it, it won't quite work that way, but, but we'll hope, the hope is we will figure it out. You know, the event industry has survived lots of ups and downs. So hopefully, you know, we'll find the groove again soon. I, I did find uh, uh, an article about two weeks ago that was how to have a an, a live event now, and they actually had shots uh, of like one in Atlanta, one in Orlando, one, and yeah. and they're you know the tables were spaced out wide, and you know everybody had to get a temperature check, and then they got a sticker that they had to wear all day. So I think the the uh, there, there are green sprouts, as you know, uh, mm -hmm. uh, as one might put it, that are there. Very, very small, but at least they're. You know, it's almost like these guys are going to be the the Neil Armstrong putting his foot on the. <laughs> well, it's probably not Neil Armstrong to put his foot on the moon, but uh, we'll find out who that was in the next episode. <laughs> but uh, um, uh, that they're the people that are going to you know, find out how this works for us and, and it's going to kind of trickle down and we'll go, Oh, well, we could try that and or yeah. propose that. And somebody goes, yeah, yeah, that's great. So, um, anyway, uh, it's, 
it's getting on to uh, a little past the, the, the half hour that we could afford to book you on this. Uh, so I've, uh, I've contacted my banker and, and, uh, and I've got a little loan coming to, to help pay for that extra 15 minutes. But I did ask on my sheet that I sent you to come up with your shout out. And the reason why this is kind of prevalent is that on every episode, Andrew and I do a unsolicited shout out to a restaurant or a bar and we will... We will put the, the links on our episode for those particular ones. So if people in Toronto want really good sushi or they go, Andrew had one for a, a place in San Francisco and I think it was uh, one in Bend, Oregon. And so we're going to be putting that together. So at the end of every episode, you'll, you'll be able to go and say, I want to try that place when it clears up or take out or whatever. And, and you, can, uh, you can order it in whatever city you're in. Uh, so I am going to throw it to you. I hope that you gave it some serious thought because there's some ones that I know we've had dinners in many places and I, I'm hoping you're going to pick one of our dinners together. The only problem with those is we just can't remember them. So anyway. <laughs> I, I was just going to go there. Going, hmm. <laughs> I saw a picture of us one day. We were at there. I don't know where we were. Remember where we were that night? (laughs) Wasn't that steak fantastic? Yeah, we had steak. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we had steak. (laughs) So I'm going to leave it to you to to give us a little shout out to a restaurant in a city. He's obviously very good at reading the material that has been sent in the. He's not even remotely prepared. Not even remotely prepared. So, you know, if you're looking for future clients on this show, Glenn, for for preparation, we're going to have to give you a two. Two out of ten. Everything else was was 11, but... uh, Edit. Beep! Yeah, it would be be safe to say that I am not prepared to uh, shout out anywhere at the moment because I didn't prepare for that. Okay. I'm going to throw a one out to you just because we have been there a lot and I'm just going to give you my shout out for Miami Beach. All right. I like which, that. Which yeah. would be Casablanca's, uh, which isn't really, which isn't really, uh, it's more Fort Lauderdale than it is Miami Beach. Yeah, it is Lauderdale. Yeah. yeah. Good shout out. I will. I'll second that. How okay, that? there you go. So, so that's Glenn Speed's shout out on this show is Casablanca in the Fort Lauderdale area. We've had multiple yeah. multiple dinners there, and one very memorable one where we were sitting at the great, bar. Great people. Yeah, great people. Great bartenders. This you name yeah. it. Good food. Yeah, and and yeah. I believe we actually supported a cause while we were there. <laughs> With somebody, <laughs> I believe we did. We did. I believe we did. <laughs> uh, anyway, so uh, I'm going to call that a wrap, Mr. Speed. And I want to thank you for this time and your knowledge and, and your friendship and everything that we have. Uh, and I can't wait to get out on the road with you again. And I know that you come along with a whole gaggle of people who I love and to see everybody and get on the road, even if it's 2022 or, or whatever. It probably just before my retirement party uh there you go so thank you so much for uh, for joining us today thanks for having me and i too i'll second that third it fourth it fifth it let's uh here's to 
back on the road doing live events soon. Excellent. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it, Len. Alrighty, sir. Yep. I will uh, talk to you, and uh, Andrew, we'll, uh, we'll just stay online for a second and just say goodbye to all of our listeners. Listener. <laughs> all of Thanks, our listeners, yes. Thanks, Lenny. Well, that was fantastic. Who knew that we could get a, a celebrity superstar technician like Mr. Speed? Especially. The, the, I, I have to say the shout-out was the best part. Have you been there? I have not. Oh, my God. I have oh not. Please do tell. Yeah, well, it's, it's just a, it's got a great little patio. It's been there for 100 years, and, and uh, it's a very local place, but it's not. Uh, like, you know, if that makes any sense, it's got a little piano bar in it, and what's the blue, the fountain blue or whatever, you can take a cab there. I've been there with, with Glenn many times and a few others there as well. So I think that's it for today, Andrew. And thanks very much for your time. And we will, oh, I think I hear your dog. Your dog's saving. Well, I think my, do my dog is saying time's, time's up. up. Time's you got to walk me. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you later. <laughs> thanks, Dave. We'll talk to you next time. Yeah. Ciao. Well, Andrew, again, I'd say that's a wrap. We want to thank our guests for joining us and sharing their experiences. We would also really like to thank you, the listener, for your time and support of this podcast. And don't forget that we're all in it together, so help out where you can and support everyone going through tough times right now. We hope to see everybody back on the road soon. See you later. See you later.